Hello and welcome to a National Archives podcast. I'm Carrie Ann Whitworth, an editor here at the Archives, and today I'm going to be talking to Christopher Day, a modern domestic records specialist, about a file he's found called the Home Office Cat. Hello. So we're talking about the cats because they have been a point of interest to the media. Yes, recently. certainly. It's been a lot of interest in the last couple of years, particularly because the uh, quite dramatic increases in Whitehall's feline population in, in the, sort of the last five years or so. It's boomed, um, hasn't it? It really has, gone from zero to three uh, in quick succession and with much delight from the public. Who are these cats? Well, so there's Larry, uh, the Chief Master of the Cabinet Officer, as he's known. Um, he lives in 10 Downing Street and uh, he's been there since 2011. He's a brown and white tabby. He's very well loved. There's Palmerston, who's the uh, Chief Master of the Foreign Office, officially. Uh, he arrived in 2016. He's named after the Victorian Foreign Secretary, Lord Palmerston. He's rather better at catching mice, actually. By the end of August in 2016, he already had 20 kills of mice. I wonder if that's because he was given the name of a former foreign secretary. Possibly. Lord Palmerston was known for having quite a forceful foreign policy. <laughs> and he does his, his own official Twitter feed, which is well-liked and promotes quite a lot of good work, especially for Fancy Cats Home, which is where all three of the cats currently in Whitehall have come from, including uh, the newest edition, who arrived in June 2016, so last year, uh, Gladstone who's the uh, Treasury's uh, cat. He's named after uh, the Victorian Prime Minister and formerly Victorian um, Chancellor of the Exchequer, uh, William Ewart Gladstone. Yeah, he again arrived from Battersea. He's a black cat. Uh, he's occasionally uh, seen wearing a sort of spotted red bow tie. Handsome. Um, yes, indeed. Very dandy. So there's a heritage that goes back further than the cats we have at the moment. Well, yeah, a long way. Up until uh, 1997, there was a cat in Downing Street as well. The earliest one I find is uh, the post office for having a lot of trouble at their money, money order office in London uh, in the 1860s. Uh, and so they found that getting a cat was the most useful way to deal with it. So there was an allowance approved for the upkeep of the cat. But certainly sort of in Whitehall, that's 1920s when you sort of start to see uh, the Treasury eff- effectively approving uh, weekly allowances for the, the food of the cat. So effectively they're paying, for, they're paying the salary of the cat, if you will. But, uh, and that's where the sort of paper trail starts to the National Archives. And that begins in 1929. Effectively, there was a cat already there, his name was Peter. But in 1929, it was agreed that uh, the office keeper would provide with a penny a day for the upkeep of Peter. Although actually, it's, it's not necessarily they give this allowance because he is underfed. It's because at the time he was being overfed by members of staff bringing in treats for him. <laughs> so it was a way of regulating... Yeah, so stop him being overindulged, effectively, uh, because uh, they thought if he had a small allowance of food, then people wouldn't feed him treats, but he would be kept hungry enough to still be interested to go and look for mice. So there are four Home Office cats dealt with in the file. Uh, so Peter, Peter the Second, Peter the Third, and Petter. First female cat. Yes, first female cat. But obviously when Prime Ministers came in, they... They had their own pets that they might want to bring with them. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, Number 10 Downing Street is a private home as much as it is government office as well. And there is a long history of, of people bringing cats with them when they move into Downing Street. I mean, notably, Winston Churchill was a great animal lover. To this day, Chartwell, which is uh, his, was the sort of Churchill family home before it was given after his death to the nation. It's now a National Trust property. Just before his death, uh, he was... Um, given a cat called Jock by um, his uh, private secretary, uh, who was also called Jock. And when Charles was given to the nation, it was also on the condition that a, um, a ginger tomcat 
called Jock would always have free reign of the estate, and which does to this day. Uh, there is a currently Jock the Sixth. So there'll forever be Jocks at Chartwell. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Then Ben, when he moved to um, Number Ten as Prime Minister in 1940, he brought a number of animals with him, including some dogs. Very fond of all sorts of animals, actually. In particular, a cat called Nelson, who he'd adopted after seeing outside the Admiralty buildings in London, and hence, hence the name he gave it after Admiral Nelson, uh, because he said it was the bravest cat he'd ever ever knew. Because the first time he saw it, it was chasing a dog out of the Admiralty building. So yeah, I mean, there have always been cats sort of hanging around Downing Street, both official and unofficial. We have some files, don't we? Well, there's certainly a, a thing about when the Home Office was moving during the Second World War. And interestingly, I think it shows how important the cats are both morale and trying to keep mice populations down. So during the Second World War, quite a lot of less central functions of government departments moved out of London because of the bombing that was going on. So certain functions weren't necessarily having to be concentrated within central London. It was useful to move them somewhere where they wouldn't be threatened by air raids continuously, including parts of the Home Office that were moved to, uh, to Bournemouth for the duration of the war. And some of the staff who were put down in, sort of, I think it was basically in some lodging houses in Bournemouth that were turned into offices, they found they had a problem with mice and they had two separate buildings. And so they wrote to the Home Office to ask if they could um, have some money to provide for, for two cats to cover these two buildings. And uh, there was some concern on the Home Office's part um, over whether these cats, if they were male and female, might go on to have a litter. It's a problem, isn't it? It is, yeah. And then they'd have to send another letter. Yes, and then, yes, I mean, so effectively they get quite a, um, a humorous memo back. Um, cats seem to inspire poetry amongst um, Home Office staff and the public, uh, as we will see as we go through the other letters we pulled out from this file. So this is a letter here from... It's from someone in the establishment a division of the Home Office, Mr Merson in the establishment division. He's writing to his colleagues in Bournemouth who are asking for these uh, extra cats. Yeah. And he decides to uh, reply to their request in verse, um, which I will now read. So uh, here it is. This is from the um, 4th of February 1941. And uh, he replies to his request for this allowance for two cats down in Bournemouth. Establishment's approval seek to spend, say, one and six per week for beverage and food, ersatz, on each of Bournemouth's office cats. This situation is complex because we do not know their sex. To pay for grub, we hesitate, for pussies who may propagate. But if they'll give a guarantee, they won't produce a family. Of little mouses of the ilk, we'll meet the cost of food and milk. And then um, another gentleman from the establishment division says, I agree with Mr Merson's minute, subject to the proviso in the third stanza. I think approval should be given if you agree. And so they were given their cats on the um, condition that they made sure they've got two females or two males. So... I think what a lot of this proves is how much people enjoy cats and also they do seem to be continually probably the most effective uh, way of controlling rodent populations. And inspiring great poetry. Yes, great poetry, possibly stretching it, but it's certainly inspiring poetry. What happened after Peter left? Well, after Peter left the Home Office. 1946, yeah. Yeah, so after his roaring, quite lengthy career in the Home Office, Peter was, was unfortunately put down in uh, 1946, the age of 17. But he was replaced the next month by a new black cat, a kitten, uh, called Peter II, fittingly. Um, unfortunately, he did not have quite the same illustrious career, career that his forebear did. Um, he was killed by a car crossing the road very early in the morning across Whitehall, oh, about no. six months after he arrived. 
It's crossing with the Home Office in a cenotaph, I believe. Somewhere near the cenotaph, but he was knocked down. But then he was, again, replaced quite rapidly. Again, a black cat called uh, Peter III. Uh, that was on the 27th of August, 1947. And I would go as far to say that he's sort of the first uh, superstar cat of Whitehall. He inspires great affection from both the staff of the Home Office and the country as a whole, and actually overseas as well. Seems to build up quite a staggering fan base in Italy, I'm not quite sure how. From Peter's death in 1964, so he has a very long career, um, and there's a great outpouring of affection for him when he dies, both from the Home Office staff and, and further afield, probably because of how much media attention he got. He appeared on the uh, BBC programme uh, Tonight in 1958, and he then sort of appeared in several magazines afterwards so he seems to have you know developed a sort of media following people became aware of him and that so when he passed away there were a lot of letters of condolence and actually there was a staff subscription which I think the public contributed to a little bit as well to get him a marble headstone in the PDSA's um, so the people's dispensary for sick animals pet cemetery in Ilford that's um, still there today I don't know but there was a Peter Memorial Society for a long time that occasionally met to remember him and I hear he had a, a good friend in New York. We did. A feline friend. Yeah, the feline friend, uh, the Etiquette of the New York's uh, Transit Authority. Their job was to um, try and uh, encourage manners and etiquette on, on the subway. But he received this letter from the Etiquette in 1964 when he died. It's got a lovely picture of the Etiquette, who is um, black with sort of white boots. Okay, so um, please accept the deep and warm condolences of the Etiquette a working cat of the Transit Authority, brackets underground, of Greater New York. Etiquette promotes courtesy, brackets etiquette, among subway riders. We read of the passing of Peter with sincere regret. If it would be possible to have a photograph of him, we would like it for our scrapbook. So most sincerely yours, Miss Jo Mary McCormack and the Etiquette, also known as the Rectory Cat. How nice. Indeed. But there's also um, a lot of other letters of returns. There are quite a few in, in Italian they're in the file as well. I had to Google translate some of them. But um, again, you know, sort of deep affection for Peter. But I'm not sure why he achieved a following in Italy and America, but nowhere else. And there's a poem as well, which is sent in. After Peter III had died? Yes. It's good. Shall we hear it? Yeah. In remembrance of dear Peter, the cat we hope's at rest, who served 16 years at the Home Office, giving his best. So Peter in his coffin was carried to his grave, by the carpenter who made it from the PDSA. We all love dear old Peter and feel sure that he will go to another land where he will meet little friends of long ago. If green pastures be in heaven and animals there go, there's none deserve it more than the Whitehall cat we knew. God made these lovely creatures all different as can be. Oh, how did he conjure up such variety? So God bless dear old Peter and all his contemporaries. It's the wish of all earthly friends for pets such as these. People were very touched with Benguai's death. And he had been there for a long time. So, after Peter, that's a difficult pair of shoes to fill. Yes, indeed. Almost insurmountable, I think. But this is a good time, because this is where the first female yes, indeed. cat came in, isn't it? So, Petta, actually rather different as well, the way she was acquired. So, not long after Peter's death, the Home Office received a... Um, Telegram from the Deputy Governor of the Isle of Man and said, Isle of Man has just learned of unhappy demise of Home Office Cat. Happy to offer in its place a pedigree tailor's Manx Cat. 
guaranteed minimum nine lives. <laughs> that was from Ronald Garvey, the deputy governor. And so the cat was often and accepted. Max cats are tailless as, as a fact. Um, and so they received it as an adoption certificate and anything. Um, she was called Manana Katadu. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I apologise to anybody who is Manx for my butchering, <laughs> which I think means Manx cat, effectively. But she was very quickly renamed within sort of home office standards to uh, Petter. So she arrived in May 1964, but she didn't last that long. She didn't go down very well, it seems. I've seen some complaints here from staff, but with the public, it seems she, she was a hit. Yes, very much. Yeah, maybe we, should, we can pull out some choice lines from these letters rather than give them, you know, a platform to be read out. Because they're overall, they're just, they're just quite negative. They are. Well, there's one here asking for her to be bound from the uh, ground floor. This is from March 1967. Uh, because day after day, she'll leave the most unpleasant smell. Yeah, someone's asking for um, the cat to be put down. Oh. Unless it can be prevented from frequenting the ground floor. It mentions that they think... You know, it probably connected with her overfeeding by staff. Uh, and there's another one you've got here as well. Yeah, this one I'm looking at says that it's a, it looks like it might be a memo that was Yes, I think it's an internal minute on the couch, yes. Which says, Petter, the home office cat, is getting inordinately fat and has recently become a source of nuisance and embarrassment to the occupants of a number of rooms in the building. Uh, they basically believe that overfeeding is jeopardising her house training. So this is the same. It's the same problem that happened before. It's what yes. happens with all the cats. Well, also she Too got in a bit of trouble because training. she may have been implicated in an attack upon um, the wife of uh, Prime Minister Howard Wilson. Oh really? Yeah, I think she actually may be fairly accused. But the file includes a clipping from um, the 30th of June 1967 from the Daily Express. Now the Wilsons had their own cat called Nemo, Siamese cat. And effectively, a black cat was seen fighting with Nemo outside number 10. And Mrs. Wilson went to intervene and was scratched by the belligerent cat. The scratch went septic and uh, she was actually prevented from having dinner with the Italian Prime Minister, Aldo Moro. I wonder if that's connected to the success of the cats in Italy in any way. I mean, maybe. Although that may have uh, you know, finished the reputation of British government cats in Italy. But... Although she was put in the frame and there was some suspicion thrown upon her, there's a lovely picture of her um, in the corridors of the Home Office, actually. Uh, yeah, in the, in the newspaper clipping. Uh, you can see her right in the corridors of power. But the reports of the cat that attacked Mrs. Wilson were for a black and white cat with a tail. Now, Petter was all black with and no tail. And definitely has no tail. So I think she was, un, you know, I think she had a bit of a reputation. She was unfairly accused, possibly. But we'll never know. Um, yeah, so I mean, she was, by 67, she was described as inordinately fat and lazy in her habits and somewhat incontinent, I think. And so in 1968, um, she was set away for re education and put out to grass. And now, I, I, you know, I, when I first read that, looking for the file, I was horrified that might be some sort of euphemism for um, euthanasia. But um, it's not. She definitely moves, and I think she's still alive uh, in the 70s. Oh, that's good to hear. Because she had some very fond fans. I she mean, did. I've, I'm looking at some letters now that are from one little girl who's five, and she repeatedly wrote. Yeah, she writes twice, yes. Yeah. Sends some lovely, sends some lovely things. Um, it's beautiful. So it's written on, on some lined paper. It basically says, Dear Petter, I have read all about you and saw you on TV. 
So she made him an appearance too. I hope you will be very happy in your new home. Last year, I was on holiday in London and I went to see Peter, but he was out at the time. I have a framed photo of Peter and one day I hope to have one of you. I love pussycats. <laughs> That's beautiful, isn't it? That's really nice. Oh. Um, and then, and then, and then she follows up later. She doesn't forget about her. She says, "I, I hope, dear Petter, I hope you are getting along all right and still like your new home." That's a Christmas card, isn't it? So that is, yeah, it's a Christmas card with a poem about a little girl and her cat. Ah. So. Oh. Lovely. Wishing you a very jolly Christmas. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, despite the public's affection for her, Fetter was, well, I mean, sent to the country. And I think she lived a relatively long and happy life there. Um, but um, she wasn't cut out for central government, unfortunately. No. Stressful business. Yeah, All those must people. Be. Must be. And that, and actually, Petter marked the end of the Peter Petter trend. Yes. Because. The name changed after that, didn't it? Well, there's it? no Home Office cat, no. I think subsequently there was a bit of, you know, thought, have trouble with that cat, maybe don't get another one. That's where the file ends. They had a break. Oh, really? The file ends with Petter? Yes, it does end with Petter, but the Home Office cat, certainly. Although, obviously, the story of cats in Whitehall does uh, continue. If the public want to see these records, they can, right? They can, they can indeed. Them. And um, also, if people would like to read more and find out more about it, we do have a blog Yes, we do. National Archives. Yeah, written by me. Yes, where you can find out more detail about some of the files. I think it's called the Bureau of Cats at the Heart of Government. Not Bureau of Cats, Bureau of Cats. Okay. And then if you're interested in looking at the file where a lot of this uh, this correspondence came from and seeing it for yourself, then the file is called the Official Home Office Cat, and you'll find it under the document reference HO223 forward slash 43. That's where you can find it. Perfect. I would recommend guys. looking at it. It's an absolutely fantastic file. Yeah, there's more treats in there than we've covered. Yes, today. definitely. Thank you. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved. It is available for reuse under the terms of the Open Government Licence.